Hey, it's Drex from This Week Health Cyber and Risk Community, and I want to invite you to our next webinar. It's going to focus on what else? Defending health data. I'll be chatting with experts from Rubrik and Microsoft. Register right now at thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. That's all one string, R-U-B-R-I-K webinar, thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. See you online soon. Today on This Week Health. What we could do with ChatGPT is take all of that and summarize. Here's the top two recommendations during this visit. That to me is scary, <laughs> but also isn't that what physicians have been asking for? They've been deluged for years by a ton of data feeds, but no real insight. Welcome to Town Hall, a show hosted by leaders on the front lines with interviews of people making things happen in healthcare with technology. My name is Bill Russell, the creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. For five years, we've been making podcasts that amplify great thinking to propel healthcare forward. We want to thank our show partners, Meditech and Transparent, for investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Now, on to our show. Hello and welcome. I'm Brett Oliver, the CMIO for Baptist Health in Kentucky and Southern Indiana. And I'm tickled to death to have back John Lee from the advisory board. John's the managing director there at the advisory board. And we're going to talk a little bit today about AI and how technology can support our, our workforces in healthcare. So uh, welcome back, John. It's been too long. Thanks, Brett. It's great to be with you again. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. So let's jump right in. From my perspective, imaging AI and, and computer vision seems to have really taken kind of front and center for a lot of organizations that are starting to incorporate more than just a few algorithms from their EHR. Mm -hmm. A lot of activity is occurring. So, but from your perspective, you get a broad view of the industry. What's in second place? What's next? What are some areas that have really made up a lot of ground that maybe we're not thinking about as healthcare organizations? I think the number two, when we think about how we see AI is basically anything transactional. How can we automate this process? How can we consolidate a lot of the steps and remove that manual burden? I think a lot of that is well-intentioned and in the right place. And certainly, I think when we look at how much organizations have invested in serving a lot of those sort of transactional processes, whether that's RevCycle or MedRec or something like that, I think all of those are very valuable but when we talk about how should we be using AI, even when we think about transactional stuff, I think we're often skipping over the question of, should we even be doing this? <laughs> Are we simply automating a bad process? Are we making something we don't want happen more efficiently? So we're getting more of what we don't want faster. Like that is the road to nowhere. And I worry that when we focus exclusively on how quickly can we eliminate the manual, how fast can we get to the end of that transaction chain, we miss out on, hey, maybe we shouldn't be doing this in the first place. Like just because we were doing it manually, maybe that was not the right way to do this. The value of AI and the value of the moment, I think, is that we should be able to ask questions about, is this really what we want? And the technology is such that in many cases, we can figure out maybe a new pathway. And I think that that is the next step, I think, in a lot of ways for a lot of these technologies that are incorporating 
AI at any sort of sophistication of AI, whether that's just a simple algorithm or whether that's something extraordinary like ChatGPT, which we'll talk about in a little while. Yeah, I love that thought because you're exactly right. We get so busy in the day-to-day -day and, oh, here's this product. Hey, that would be great. We could cut our efficiency by 50% or improve our efficiency by 50%. But maybe we ought to have that conversation on the front end before we get to that point. Or do we even need to do this or do we do it a different way? And I, I think that it's really poignant to, for me because I think the way we deliver care is going to change so much over the next several years or should. I don't... My personal opinion is we're not going to out-recruit, we're not going to be able to recruit enough nurses, enough physicians, enough providers, the way things are going right now. That's not to undermine my organization's recruiting efforts or anybody else's. Like we, I still want to do that, but we have to think differently. How can we deliver care that's better, not just maybe more efficient the way we're doing it now? So I, I love that. Are there any specific areas that you've seen that have worked well for organizations that have said, okay, this is a transactional approach. This AI can improve things, make it more efficient, but we're not going to do it that way anymore. I think a lot of the, I'm going to say the biggest gains are in things like intake, pre-visit, whatever. And I know that in a lot of places, folks don't think of that as, it's like, well, maybe there's a little AI, but it's not really that important. But when you think about things like how do you really digitize that intake of a patient when they come into clinic? Like, what are the things that we usually do? Okay, Brett, the, the thing that I hate to see most when I go into a facility is the coffee cup full of pens that have flowers taped to them. Do you know what I mean? So you don't walk away with the pen. And the reason I hate to see that is because I know that what that coffee cup means is that I'm going to have to fill out a bunch of forms. They, that's what they're going to do for me. I think when we think about things like the, the rest of that journey, like showing them your insurance card and stuff like that, what do we usually do with that? Well, you give that to the MA or whoever's at the front and they make a photocopy or something, right? The value of a lot of the intake solutions is that you can do all of that stuff. Your phone is made to do everything there. And using computer vision to, to read an insurance card and find your number and your group number, and I don't have to look at it and go, okay, first I got to move my glasses to make sure I can read the number. And then like, which one is the group number? Which one is my number? Like all of those things. It can just do that because it's been taught how to look at all of those things and drop it in and it'll be completely ready. And then the only thing that I have to do manually is, you know, the whoever is rooming me is going to need to just confirm, like, am I John League? Is this right? Do I have this? Those kinds of things, as opposed to taking up all of that time, it shortens the weight, it makes satisfaction better, it takes away a lot of that clerical work, both from the staff and from the physician. And a lot of those systems are actually even able to queue up very valuable information. One of the things that I have been honestly surprised by is that those kinds of systems are very popular among the highest productivity physicians that we have because they look at it and they're like, yes, absolutely. Why would I spend time talking to you about your allergies when you're here for CHF, right? Like, I don't need to cover all that stuff. This is helping me add unique value that I, as this high-performing, probably very proud physician, am able to bring to this interaction. I can, we can focus exactly on what you need and we can spend whatever amount of time we have 
on delivering as much value in that time as possible. I think that alone in terms of like satisfaction and productivity is enormously valuable and just shows that if you can solve for those little transactional pieces with a different, with a slightly different process, you can also engineer benefits way downstream. Oh, 100%. I love that because it's not just that administrative burden on your front office staff. You, you kind of bled into that. Then I'm in the exam room or I'm in the hospital room and the AI brings those important things together that I'm not having to go flip through your chart, flip the chart on the computer, ask you whatever it is. We can get down to what is that unique value that I can bring to the moment right there, right away. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Well, we mentioned it before. We'll switch gears here just a little bit, but not really, I suppose, with some generative AI. I mean, it seems like it's moving at breakneck speed, or at least the interest is moving at breakneck speed. Just general thoughts here. I, I know we're kind of early in this journey, but is it the next bright and shiny thing? Or do you think it's got a, a real chance to be transformative? I think it does have a chance to be transformative. And I say that as someone who, at the beginning of November, was actively planning not to talk about AI this year. In any of the work that we're doing, it's like, oh, okay, fine. You know, I mean, there's advancements, it'll be fine. And then chat GPT, I'm like, okay, this is an interesting little toy. <laughs> As we've seen the ways that its uses have evolved and its capabilities have grown sort of exponentially off of pretty much the same base of technology, I'm really very bullish on that technology. One of the things that we hear when we talk to vendors, to big tech companies is even they are surprised at how fast the uses of the technology are evolving. And I think when you look at, you know, there was a news last week about how several AI leaders and Elon Musk was among them were like, we need to have a moratorium on this. We need to, we need to have a, a holding period. I don't think that's necessarily because they're afraid that AI is going to take over the world. Or this is going to, I think it's because they can't keep up that it's evolving at a pace that they can't even figure out where it's going to go next. And I think that speaks to the power of the technology and also like we need to be thinking about how this is going to manifest in healthcare because it is going to come sooner rather than later. I already know physicians who use it, not in clinic, but who use it personally for all kinds of needs, the consumer adoption element of it, the adoption, and remember that healthcare workers, clinicians are also consumers outside of the healthcare organization. Like this is so, this is being so broadly used that we have to figure out how to deal with the things that folks are bringing to our organizations. Well, hey, I asked ChatGPT if I had cancer and here's what it said. You know, I mean, things like that that we used to do with Dr. Google with WebMD, folks are, are going to ChatGPT and getting potentially pretty comprehensive, non-diagnostic, clearly, answers that we will need to understand how to deal with, how to approach, how to respond to. And I I don't think I don't think we're ready. I think we've been as an industry sort of burned by previous enthusiasms for AI. We did a survey of clinical leaders last year at advisory board and asked them sort of how they felt about AI. And we had done the same survey in 2018. In 2018, it was about 70% of people who were positive. So they answered either AI will be transformative or AI will generate incremental value. And it was about 
45, 25, maybe breakdown transformative incremental. Same survey last year, 70% again, still positive. So it hadn't grown, but it also hadn't declined. But the, the internal was flipped. It was 45% incremental and 25% transformational. I really want to run that survey again very soon to see how ChatGPT has pushed that in one way or another. We'll get back to our show in just a minute. Ever wonder how technology can reshape the patient experience? Join us for our next live webinar, The Patient Experience, A Technology Perspective on July 6th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. We're bringing together expert speakers to dive into the intersection of technology and healthcare. We're gonna to explore topics on digital health tools and the impact of AI, blockchain, and other things around this. Whether you're a CIO or part of a healthcare IT team, we think you will gain practical insights from this discussion. Don't miss out on this conversation. Register today at thisweekhealth.com. We hope to see you there. Now, back to our show. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I guess that's a natural. Have you found that with other technologies historically that you get on the hype curve and it's like, this is going to be transformational. And then you actually get into it and realize, okay, this is going to be good, but it's going to be an iterative approach. Or was that relatively unique to, to AI back when you did the survey? That's, that's a great question. I think the challenge that healthcare has with AI that is different from some of the other technologies that we have incorporated is that AI has been wildly successful in other industries for those sorts of applications and there's not really a there's not really a slow down and wait and see version of it in a lot of ways when we think about the adoption of other technologies I think each one has its moment but we I think we always assume that over time we will be incremental with it whether that is some sort of actual procedural sort of thing some sort of actual treatment whether it's a surgery or something like that whether that is say telehealth i mean if you sort of ignore the giant bump from covid i mean telehealth has been on a pretty clear path glide path over time iterating figuring out what that is i think this is unique because it is so prevalent in other industries and by its nature it tries to get outside its own box. I'm not sure that we have a good way to understand how to use that in healthcare. Yeah, that's fair. For those that you feel like have a decent handle on a process, or maybe that there aren't any, I'm curious at a broader look at the industry, how are organizations judging these new offerings, evaluating them? Specifically with the way we've seen generative AI, everyone is very interested, but hands off at this point. Like we would love to see a way to do this, but there is a, there's a lot of concern about safety and there always should be right. Sure. Like that is, that is totally, that is totally understandable. I think the interesting thing about a, a potentially transformative technology like this is probably the way to approach it is to think more about what are the big problems and how does the use of this technology work towards addressing that? So one of the things that we've been thinking a lot about is ambient documentation. So nuance or a bridge or whatever, whatever your platform is in thinking about, about how that works. If you think about adding chat GPT into something like that, and you layer that on with increasingly flexible interoperability, there's a world where your user interface for the physician could be something like, okay, 
So we're interoperable. So the record is able to pull in not only all of the data from our system, but maybe data from an HIE, maybe data from a, a payer that we are working with. And then like all of that stuff is stuff we can do today if we have the right relationships. Fair. Because we've got the APIs and all of that stuff actually does work. But what we could do with ChatGPT is take all of that and summarize. Mm. You see it in one view. And if it can be safely trained, we could also get, you know, here's a summary of what's happening. Here are our top two recommend. Here's the top two recommendations for what you need to investigate during this visit. That to me is scary, <laughs> but also isn't that what physicians have been asking for? They've been deluged for years by a ton of data feeds, but no real insight. Right. This has the potential to get us there. Now, again, as I said, my number one thing was it's kind of scary. There's a lot to work out before we get to that point. But if you're thinking about like, what are the big challenges? That's sort of the way I think that this kind of technology naturally lends itself to in a very exciting way, a very scary way again. But I think somebody is going to be doing this. <laughs> we, need to, we need to be figuring out what is the path that we want to get there. No, I love that. Because then in the inpatient space, you think about nurse, how much time is a nurse spend at the end of the shift checking out what's happened? Here's what's going on next. How about a handoff from one hospital yes. to the next? And then it becomes static. Here's my patient list. And I, I think I read a study and it's been a while, but I want to say that it, like after two and a half to three hours, that patient list is outdated. The new data has come in. John gets to go home now because we actually have a placement for him. Well, how does, can you raise that to the top of your list? So the hospitalist doesn't come see them six hours later and your length right. of is now. And there's so much potential. And that's, that's fairly safe. You're just gathering data. You're not, as you were saying, the more scarier things about making a recommendation, those kinds of things, which is, you know, a really exciting possibility as well. Just some of the administrative things that physicians and nurses do every day that I, that's got me excited. And I don't think that necessarily has to be very far away either right. using right. that technology or to be able and to I say, see. John wants an after visit summary. He He's English speaking, but he's got a family member that's Spanish or Chinese, fifth grade Chinese level after visit summary. Boom. Be able to do that. That's that's a great one, Brett. I, I love that one. I do want to say, I, I do keep saying scary because I don't want to come off as rah-rah cheerleader for this because like there are concerns that we will have to address along the way. The flip side of that is I am not persuaded by a lot of the, the worried folks, let's put it that way, when they talk about things like just ambient documentation just in general. Well, how do we know that like the AI is accurate? And what if it gets in there and we've got this cycle where We've got AI on the front end that is creating the note. And then we've got AI on the back end that's doing NLP and reading it for real world evidence. And we're creating this loop where there's there's no human in there. And my pushback on that is like, that is a valid criticism. At the same time, I have looked at my own medical record. And in many cases, the stuff that's in there is duplicative, cut and paste, for me, most of the time it has been accurate, but I'm not a particularly complex patient. I have the good fortune to be relatively healthy. So that's not an issue. But you know, I think it was one of the first studies of, of like what happens when patients have open notes. And I think it was 75% of them found at least one error. And of those, 
25% of them were serious errors in the record. Like, let's not kid ourselves that the manual processes we have right now are a foolproof way to have a safe and complete record. Like, yeah, totally agree and, with you. Yeah, let, uh, let's just be real about what the problem is. <laughs> yeah, and, and what our baseline is, right? Like, yes. the baseline isn't awesome, always. I mean, there are some really good documents out there, but to think that we're going from perfect to now we're going to trust AI is not... Yeah. I mean, I've used some ambient listening before in the clinic for several months, and it's incredibly helpful. There are things that get said, I'm a primary care physician in a primary care office that are just an aside, and that I, I would hope most of the time I get documented, but sometimes I don't because it wasn't really as relevant. Oh, I had a tetanus booster. I was in urgent care a couple of weeks ago, and I'll be reading some of these ambient notes that get created. I'm like, oh, that's right. I think I would have forgotten that. So, I mean, it, the argument can go both ways, but we you're right. In medicine, we don't have the luxury of having a 50% error rate and thinking that's okay. Let's just work towards, you know, a, a lower, right? Gosh, I really love this show. I love hearing what workers and leaders on the front lines are doing. And we want to thank our hosts who continue to support the community by developing this great content. If you want to support This Week Health, the best way to do that is to let someone else know about our channels. Let them know you're listening to it and you are getting value. We have two channels, This Week Health Conference and This Week Health Newsroom. You can check them out today. You can find them wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find them on our website, thisweekhealth.com, and you can subscribe there as well. We also want to thank our show partners, Meditech and Transparent, for investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.